I demand to know who authorized this. I like this movie. <laughs> don't don't fucking lie. Don't I, lie. I do. You know. have so many issues. I know. Specifically with Camila Cabello's boobs. Just in that one dress. But. The most important dress. Yes. Her Cinderella dress I take issues with. But. I've seen this movie so many fucking times. It's, it, 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 this, is, this is a bad film. At least ten. This is a bad film. At least ten that times. Is, that is too many times. I have some have of the songs this? on my Spotify. Why have you watched this movie ten times? Because it's so cringe and it's cute and it's good. It's, it's not just, cute. It's just nice to have some brain candy every now and then. Some brain fluff. This is brain candy for you? It is. Um, in Holy shit. In case you didn't read the description. Or, or pay th- attention to what you're doing. The title, or you're just letting this scroll through. We watched the Amazon original Cinderella tonight. By the way, this is City Wave Cinema. That's America. This is James. We're gonna get these intros down eventually, I promise. That's a bald-faced line. You know it. Yeah, because yeah. I've asked about it and you yeah. said no. No, I'm not gonna fucking write an intro or anything. Why would I do that? This is fun. It's funny, as you're the one that said we should at the very beginning yeah. of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, that is true. But that's because my other podcast I did write an intro for, and it was very funny. Well, James has many notes. <sighs> so many notes. I didn't take notes, but I've also seen this movie more times than I've seen some of the Harry Potters all the way through, so. All right. Let's begin with the 2021 version of Cinderella, made by Amazon Studios and Sony. Now, we open on your traditional, you know, little logos and everything, and then we get some narration from Billy Porter, very talented individual. Love him. Fucking hated it. It, I... James is, did. I don't want to knock Billy Porter. Billy Porter's a cool guy. We love Billy Porter. Billy we stay Porter, with Billy Porter. Yeah, Billy Porter's cool. Whatever the fuck he was doing, it was not good for me in particular. I'm not really the target demographic of this movie. So, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt. But my God, was it the most extra extra to ever extra. Extra of all time extra. Billy Porter is an extra individual. Yes, but like it felt like he did six lines of cocaine and then turned it up to 11. And it was just it was just so like you have all these nice, nice visuals of this countryside and this village. And then it's and then you just he comes in like a hurricane of narration and it's just so aggressive. Not my, I don't like narration at the beginning of a movie anyways, but my God, did he go for it and I'm sure he hit whatever mark he was looking for. James definitely yelled at one point, shut up, Billy Porter. <laughs> that so. did, yes, I did. I did do that. Out loud in the middle of the movie. It's, it's not his fault. I gotta, I want to make something very clear because I'm going to, I'm going to rant and rave about a lot of shit in this movie. There is an extraordinary amount of talent on this cast. This cast is phenomenal. There is an extraordinary amount of talent. So good. However. The movie's not. No matter how talented your cast is, if you write them a shitty script with a bad story and no clear plot lines, then you just, you just... Put holes in the bottom of your own boat. Is Cinderella not a clear plot line for you? Cinderella... I had a stroke. And this is why I said you can't make fun of them for not being able to speak. Uh, Did I write that joke down? I probably did. Um, Man, Cinderella has come a long ways from the original writing, which was dark and horrible. Uh, yeah, cutting off toes and shit to fit in glass yeah, slippers. You ever cut the heel off your foot to jam it into a slipper? And the prince is standing there going, Jesus Christ, that's not right. What you're doing is bad. I mean, I acted like the girl who cut her toe off to fit into the slipper. Well. More than once. It took me exactly one minute and nine seconds into this movie to say that it sucks. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. 
as soon as you get your your opening song, your narration, we we're zooming through. Pod. It's Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson. Great song. You're zooming through the streets of this little village. It's really just a square. It's not a big village. Uh, next to the castle or whatever. And you're zooming around and you get into the sort of lay of the land. And you see, like, it's medieval-ish in time period. But then also you get a quick shot of some guys with proper, like, metal belt grinders. They're not belt grinders. I, mean, I don't know what the tool is. It's like a circular saw, but for grinding on metal. And it just, like... How does that work? What what is the, what are the rules of the universe, right? Because if we're establishing that we're doing Cinderella in a medieval time period, then I don't want to see not medieval shit. And instead, I was handed metal grinders. Handheld metal grinders that threw sparks everywhere. I don't think it's so much that we're in a medieval uh, time period so much as we're in a m- mythical land. Well, they better be doing some magic to make their metal grinders work, because otherwise, that's some fucking bullshit. Maybe Fab G helped them out, too. You don't know. I, dude, I don't know, man. <laughs> fucking, they dragged Adina Menzel into this, and that is just... She it, acted... Well, she didn't really act, we but know, she sang her ass off. We can clearly see that the money went to the cast. Yeah, because the effects... No, the effects were shitty. The song writes... Yeah, they spent a lot of money. Now, I'll tell you what. I did some digging after we watched this movie because I was Cause you interested. That. Yes, I am. I, I like digging into the behind the scenes and seeing who does what, right? The writer who also directed it, whose name I don't remember and I will forget forever, has never made anything that scored well on IMDb, which to my eyes means she's never made anything that has a good score in the public opinion. Pitch Perfect was an excellent movie. She wrote one, two, and three. None of them did well on IMDb. One was fantastic, and I will fight anyone who says otherwise. It's got a 6.2, dude. I don't know what to tell you. It's like It's a night at the museum quality movie. I can't testify for two and three, but number one was really good. All I'm saying is, Pitch Perfect and Night at the Museum, they score real similar according to the public. I've probably seen Pitch Perfect as many times as I've seen this movie. Now. Maybe I just like her. I don't care for the writing in the movie, but that's whatever. There were some, there were some good the lines. Fast, there were some really good throwaways, and the, the, but that's the problem. Throughout the movie, all the best lines are throwaways. They're all little one-liner dialogue pieces that don't have any weight or bearing on the story. There's not a monologue that's good. It's all just so bad. Frankly, it's bad. It's bad. The dialogue in the movie, it's just fucking bad. It's it's no people talk like that. No people talk like the way that the people in the movie talk. It doesn't happen. That it, it's it felt so unnatural and so incredibly cringe. And now people really fucking hate cringe, right? Cringe is like a meme. Everybody hates being cringe or witnessing cringe. Basically, just anything that makes you go ew, and your shoulders creep up into your ears. And you just, your back explodes in pain as it clamps all together. And now, I, I'll i tell you what. The whole movie, all of Amazon Cinderella, is reaching as far into cringe as possibly can. Mm-hmm. It, it hits every single mark for cringe that you could possibly hit. It yeah. swings for the fences. And you know what? If that's what they were looking for, home run. All day, every day. Home run. Way to go. You scored. This is a terribly cringe movie, which means all the dialogue is fucking bad. It's maybe, all bad. Maybe I wrote the dialogue. In, like, in a dream state years and years ago? Or, like, there's, there's a, okay. There's an episode of, like, Wizards of Waverly Place where, like, Harper, future Harper goes back in time and uh-huh. writes stories uh-huh. about her and Alex's adventures in the present. Okay. Maybe I did that. Future me came back and wrote the Cinderella movie. Well, you're fucking fired forever. I told you I'm not good at dialogue. Um, now, we we carry on with this opening number. It's like a combination of Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson and something else. Um, oh, by the way, the person in charge in charge of music is not credited with being in charge in charge of music in the credit role. Uh, you have to go to IMDb to find the person in charge in charge of music. And that person did 
all the Spider-Man movies because she's the president of music at Sony. So she made a lot of the huge hits that came from uh, that animated Spider-Man movie happen, like getting Post Malone and Sway Lee to make Sunflower... She deserves a raise. Like, she, well, she's the president. She can't get more raises. She's just she's on top of the world already. She can give herself raises. Uh, I guess. She probably have to ask a board or something. Anyways, um, she is like the string puller, making things happen. What I want to know. So is, she's the reason we got all those songs. Yeah. What I want to know is why the fuck didn't we pick good songs? I like every song that's in that movie. Thank you very much. By itself. You can like bad songs. They're all like early 2000s pop songs. I think, and this is what I compare this movie to. It adds to the cringe. It adds to the cringe. I mean, early 2000s pop was cringe, but... um, Enormously. I, I compare this movie to like... I swear to God, if you say Moulin Rouge. I'm. Let me talk. When I explain it to people, I explain it as a Cinderella Moulin Rouge because you do... The idea of Moulin Rouge was that it was a musical that everyone already knew all the words to the songs to. And that is the same concept here. I don't think it was executed as well. But I do know all the words to all the songs. And I was... I bopped to them because... Because uh, I got it put in for Christmas. Um, Sorry, answering a question for Dad. But no, I do bop to them because those are all songs from my childhood. Those are songs that I know all the words to. Like, I can sing along with every song in this movie. I can't. And that is not a them problem. That is a I don't listen to that garbage music problem. Um, Now, more about the movie because that's why we're fucking here. The narration This has all been about the movie. Yeah, but we're really leaning on the music here, and there's, like, a, a film that happens behind the music. Oh. Um, <laughs> is there? I didn't notice. Uh, well, it, it's, it's that okay. That might be part of my problem. My problem is I'm so in love with the soundtrack that the rest of the movie just goes away. Yeah, it's... It's... Man. God damn. Is it rough. Uh, and the costume. My, my first actual issue with, like, acting or story anything is that the stepsisters get in on the act of singing in the first song, and they sing good. They're talented performers. They're magnificent actors. But they, they get to sing good. Not and traditionally, the stepsisters shouldn't be able to do that. As someone who's been a stepsister six times, not every iteration of the stepsister is the same. You have ones that are stupid, you have ones that are ugly, you have ones that are untalented if it's like something like a dancing movie or something, because we've done that several times. Okay. Um, or you have ones that are just, like, clearly, and in this one I think it would fit to the style, clearly cringe. And he does say that, um... I don't remember how to say her name. It's it's like narcissist, but not. Um, that the redheaded one is crazy, which she is. She just doesn't make sense. And then the other one, I think, is just self-absorbed. So you can do different iterations of stepsisters. I didn't have a problem with the stepsisters. I liked that they weren't... I mean, they were mean, but they weren't cruel and they weren't annoying i don't i don't like we we've come to a place in cinema where we no longer draw lines on protagonists versus antagonists we prefer to do a blend, which makes sense with the times of realizing, like, not everything is so clear-cut and villains can't always just be purely evil, blah, 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 right? Okay, now that we've established that, we have made an endless slew of movies where everyone is an amalgamation, and that too closely reflects real life to me. And I don't like seeing it in Fantasyland on my screen. 
if we're going to tell fun stories, I don't want the stories to reflect how fucking awful real world is. I want it to reflect a fun and interesting other world. Which might explain my complete disinfatuation with television over the last five years. As an actress, and again, someone who has played a stepsister more times than I would ever like to count and has sworn off playing it forever. Uh-huh. Um, unless someone pays me a lot of money. Huh. I would really... Hear that, Disney? <laughs> Get on that. I would really enjoy playing one of these stepsisters. They're funny. They're... I would argue that they are some of the best parts of the movie. They are great. I would love to play one of them. I, I, I think... I think when I said I don't understand why they get to sing well, that came across as I don't like their performance. I think they did great. I think of all of the things that were cringe in the movie, they were in the correct way because they're supposed to be. I want to have your baby. <laughs> like, that's yeah. my favorite part like, that they do. <laughs> they're, they're crazy and they're fun. And it's kind of funny to watch the people who are supposed to be cruel to Cinderella turn into the comic relief in what is not a movie with stress in it. Yeah, there's not really But goddamn, is it so awful that we need the stepsisters to be comic relief. The, I mean, to be fair, the stepsisters are always comic relief in the Cinderella movies. It just depends. Again, there's so many iterations and interpretations. Well, anyways. I have a question for you. Oh, God. I thought we were going to move away from the stepsisters. Why do they collect water in the movie, but also have functional plumbing? I didn't know they collected water. Did I miss that? I, I know mean, they, they have... were carrying these big water jug type deals. I thought those were like milk. Well, they could have been milk. They could have been water. I don't know. They look Why like... do they have functioning plumbing, but they... not cars? They look like dairy cans to me. Oh. Also, I feel like ancient Rome had, like... Aqueducts. Aqueducts. Yeah, but they didn't have running faucets. That's true. And I feel like plumbing's been around longer than cars. Correct me if I'm wrong. It has. The issue I have is there's no rules. No, um... There's no rules. Everything is allowed. There's an issue I take in this beginning setup, too. Uh, There is running water, but also a wood fire stove. Um, but in that same scene, just while we're talking about no rules and everything, like, I get suspension of disbelief, blah, 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 but even as an actor- I have a hard time suspending my disbelief. But even as an actor, like, this thing really bothered me, because it wouldn't make sense logistically, which is, there's clearly a copper kettle that she puts on a fire that steams, and the handle is the same as- the kettle and she just picks that shit up with her bare hands and then I, she sets it on a, she sets it on a wood table i was so busy being mad about the running water i did not notice the complete disregard for kettle protocol yeah like it goes off and she just and it's not once but twice she grabs that kettle in the movie and just pours it i want I, now for the young people in the audience who don't know about things like kettles uh or anyone who doesn't live in england when a kettle heats up and whistles because the water is boiling on the inside, if you go to touch the handle, you'll burn your fucking hand off because it's hot because the whole thing is one piece and that makes it hot. Unless you have a handle that's like made of wood or has some other right. thing on it, but it didn't. Right. It's like, you know when you have a cast iron skillet and it's got that rubber grippy on the end? This kettle didn't have the rubber grippy, and she just grabbed that motherfucker and put it on a wood table, which, which would, would have, have burned, burned along with her hands twice. I it was like a just a really weird choice for me that I was like that like any other Cinderella iteration would like, and she does. She, that's like a thing that Cinderella does often as she makes tea for the family, but they always have like a thing to grab like. Everyone has like a cloth or something they use to grab the kettle because it doesn't holders. make sense. That's to what pot holders are for. It doesn't make sense to grab a kettle with your bare hands. No, that's crazy. Now, anyway, sorry. I, I I ran into an issue with the movie that I think is probably going to be more of a me problem than an issue with the movie itself. But I don't know any of these songs. 
That is a very you issue. I, the only song I fucking knew was Seven Nation Army, which, by the way, anytime you include Seven Nation Army in your movie, you're fired forever because why the fuck do you overuse that shit? It's so... It's been used so many times that it's heinous to use it again. Uh, you didn't know Material Girls? I knew Material Girls, but it took me a long time to recognize it. My problem is that I don't know the words to these songs, so anytime there's a song, especially one in Camila Cabello's discography, which I know none of, I don't understand what its place in the movie is because the I've, I don't know the words. I don't know the message of these songs. If you watch this movie with no concept of early 2000s pop music or Camila Cabello's discography or Seven Nation Army... Was any of these songs on her discography? I think she's, she has an original song and Adina Menzel has an original song. Adina Menzel must have been Dream Girl. Dream Girl, yes. And then Camilla's must have been the end song because those are the only two songs I didn't instantly know. I believe you're correct. However, I still don't know any of the fucking songs! And if someone doesn't know any of the songs when they watch the movie, they're just going to be confused as fuck the whole time. James, you might be the only person because literally those are it's some of the- It's just me! Those are some of the most popular songs of like the early 2000s. I had never heard Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson until today. Are you serious? I'm very serious. This movie to me is just so buried in the ass of everything because it just it doesn't nothing makes sense the whole time because i don't know any of the songs i don't know any of the context of the movie i knew more songs from moulin rouge because i've heard the soundtrack to moulin rouge before it's also 80s music which is more up your alley straight up my alley now this is not an issue with the film I think if you know the songs, they probably add to it. They do. Cool. Can confirm by someone who knows the songs. I'm beginning to really think that I just like this movie because of the soundtrack. Because <laughs> nothing in the middle I care about. But I like, I like, uh, gotta be bold, you gotta be wise, gotta be brave. Like that song. I don't know that song either. Great. Uh, the Materials Girl segment. I know Materials Girls. That's an 80s song. Um... What's the one I have on my damn Spotify? It's my favorite song, and I can't think of. Uh, that's just am how I, I wrong? Feel. Yeah. Yeah, that's just how I feel. Um, I knew that song, but none of the words because America listens to it all the time. And I've never bothered to read the lyrics. Now, also an issue with me, I really don't understand the words of a song until I read the lyrics to see them. Like I have to see it. I can't just hear it. I have to see it. And I tried a little too late, but I did try to turn on the subtitles for James, and I could they not didn't make him function. work. Normally, so, we will watch a movie with subtitles so we don't miss stuff. They just didn't work for us this time. So, I, I do apologize for that, because I feel that like that might have no. helped. But We gotta get out of the intro. Yeah, we're so still in the first she, scene. She, it's been 30 minutes. Cinderella, whose name is Ella, not Cinderella. They describe her as being Cinderella because sometimes her skin looks like cinders, which never happens the not whole time. once. I have some questions about the writing, and the questions are, Why? And that's it. Um, the, she does tea for stepmother and stepsisters. They're all sitting on the same side of the table, which is dra it's hugely inconvenient. How the fuck are you supposed to talk to anyone while you are at the table if you're all on the same side? Are you just all whipping your heads left and right? That doesn't make any sense. That's terrible blocking. Well, they do spend all of five minutes at the table. That's true. That's true. Before what's-his-creepy-bucket shows up. That, that setup still sucks. It's not good. Why do they have a pineapple cookie jar on the table? Do they really? They do. I saw it because I was like, why the fuck is that there? It didn't make any sense. This is supposedly England. Is it? Supposedly. Everyone talks with an English accent except for the people who don't. I was like, literally only the mice. Well, they're the best part of the movie, so. Uh, Adina Menzel is being the worst. Also, the mice were being dicks, but that was before Cinderella could understand them. The, the, you get you get your three mice, right? But you don't get Jacques. You don't get those other ones. Which only happen in the Disney Cinderella just while we're here. Yeah, that is true. They only happen in the Disney Cinderella. And you know what? Good on Disney for doing that. That was fun. I do like Jacques and Gus Gus. Gus Gus. That's his name. And the right. girl has a name too, but I don't fucking well, remember. 
In this movie, we get a comedian whose name I don't know and can't remember, but it's long. It's got a long name. Are we you get talking about James A. Caster? Yeah, who's also an English comedian, and we get everyone's least favorite talk show host. I love him, James Corden. The only reason I think that people don't like James Corden is because he's been in so many things and done so much stuff, and it's always the same shtick. It's, it's like the Jim Carrey, but way more campy and shitty. He's just a he's just a meme now, which is fine. Yeah. And he's also probably only in this he, movie because he produced it. He did produce it, and guess what? He doesn't give a fuck what we think. He's got a gajillion dollars. And he's making money off being his cringy self. Yeah. So he, do he doesn't need to do a day. He doesn't need to work hard. To make his performances happen, he just has to show up and do stuff, and he just has to it's a win. Show up and be James Corden, which um, is all he has to do anymore. He doesn't have to act. He doesn't have to put an effort into any performance. He literally just has to show up and be James Corden. Yeah, that's all he has to do. Now, Cinderella eventually goes down to her room. Now, instead of being a tower like previous iterations of Cinderella, where she lives at the fucking top, she literally of the, lives in a whatever. dungeon she, or a tower. Uh, she lives in the nicest, most well lit basement workshop room I've ever seen. Isn't her room fucking nice? Yeah. What the fuck is that? It is. What is that all about? It is gorgeous. I. I, I it's bigger than our apartment. I, you you are going to have such a hard time convincing me that Cinderella is abused in any way other than a little bit of gaslighting from the stepmother at all. She's got a bed. She has a it's a big bed. It's not even like a little twin shit bed. It's a big bed. It's got a nice quilt on it. She can just go out to the market and buy a bunch of fabric all the time. She's got art all over the walls of her own designs. She's got one, two, three, four fucking windows that showcase a shitload of sunlight coming inside. I don't like... She also has a gigantic work table with, for whatever time period this is, a really expensive sewing machine. I, I, I don't understand what duress we're supposed to believe Cinderella is under here. Because... She wakes up at the very beginning of the movie and is just, like, ra raring to go. Like, she's having a nice time existing. How is that the start of a Cinderella story? Tradi now, I hate to say traditionally, because retelling stories means you ignore tradition. I think that Cinderella definitely ignores tradition in the most, like, out of any Cinderella. Absolutely. It also doesn't give a fuck that Cinderella is supposed to be this downtrodden character. It does not make her a downtrodden character in any way. Like... She gets a normal amount of gaslit by a bad parent. Yeah. Which almost everyone that's alive can relate to. Maybe that's why. It's probably why, but at the same time, I wanted to see how they were going to make her a downtrodden character in this retelling, and they just didn't bother. And I felt like I was missing out. Like, there's I no conflict here. There's no conflict at all. I think she's not so much abused by her family as she is by society. And I think that's what they were going for was more that she... Because in this whole kingdom world, women are basically there to have babies and run the household and that's it. And that's the, that's the shtick they're going with is that's how this kingdom operates is women are... That's all they're there for. So I think the idea, because I do think it takes a feminist route, is that she is more kept back by society and society's expectations, which is even the stepmother prescribes to, than she actually is, like, abused. And the funny, the funny thing for me about that in particular is that, like, I, I can get behind the, the running of an equality storyline here. That's cool. You can do that. I think that's fun. But, like, maybe, like, put a little effort into writing it. Instead of just being... Now, and I said this a lot. This movie does a lot of dipping its toes into all the different pools. What it doesn't do is get in one. I can see that. Tradi <laughs> there I go again with traditionally. Normally, when you tell a story... You want to stay in one pool for the most part. 
You can always reach into other things, and it takes a masterclass in storytelling to weave three different stories together all at once. This happens in a lot of uh, like like really revered movies. Um, I can't think of one like straight off the top of my head, but li- li- like uh, li- like Lord of the Rings has several different storylines that occur. Um, Harry Potter has several storylines that occur. James just referred uh, to Harry Potter as a revered movie, so I'm gonna take that. It's revered. I don't care for it, but it's revered. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that as a win for City Wave Cinema. Sure. Right now, we're gonna put um, that as a mark in America's column. Okay. Right now. <laughs> All right. Um, but this movie really efforts to. I think it's it's a lot of fan service because they really seemed like they wanted to play hard for the equality route. While at the same time putting on a traditional love story, while at the same time putting on a uh, gender swap in a couple places, just one, and at the same time putting on a fight the system and fuck the man, and your parents don't know anything, and LGBTQ rights, which I didn't know until I watched this with an LGBTQ person, and then I got illuminated very hard. So I'm not gonna touch that. I don't know what that's about. Shout out to that person who they know who they are. Um, I can I can give their thoughts and stuff as you go. But. The the movie tries. It's got it's it's a two hour runtime and it tries too hard to do too many things. And I think when you do that, you burn yourself out on being able to do one thing well, like writing or dialogue. I know we haven't made it very far, but this is semi-related, semi-unrelated. Can I take the 30 minutes away from this movie that was due to, like, nonsense, like that whole King singing uh, scene? <laughs> and can I give those 30 minutes to Encanto and get 30 minutes of Encanto? I would love 30 more minutes of a superior musical. Um, oh, God. Okay, sorry, now, continue. in a musical, your story beats happen with the songs. Yes. That's tried and true. That's formula right there. This movie, because I don't know any of the songs, has no story beats the whole time. It's like one long shit. He's really wrong about that just because he doesn't know any of the songs. Um, I think that there's, I think that the songs go very well with the story. Again, I think James and I, James and I have very differing opinions on this movie. I think it's the most divided we've been about a movie since Sorcerer's Stone. Um, the very first episode of City Wave Cinema. Uh, I'm also gonna vamp, because if you're listening to this in future time and can't see what's happening, James is having allergies for the second week in a row. Severe allergies, slash COVID, slash a cold, slash whatever he has going on. Um, so he has to keep stepping off to blow his nose in the distance so it doesn't pick up on the mic. But, that all being said, just so you're aware of why I'm vamping so long... I blew my nose in one episode and had to edit it out, and I'm not doing that shit again. Um, I do think that the, <sighs> the songs do go well with the story beats. So, I, eh, I don't know. We gotta... It's, it's, it's all a coin flip, because if you don't know the songs... You're the only person! Then why is it rated so low? Why is the movie rated so low? Oh, everybody has issues with the way the songs were formed, like, the, the arrangement of the, the arrangement? song. The arrangement? Okay, and well, that's mediocre at best. Camilla... As I'm just going off what TikTok has said. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. She's not the best actor. Camilla's performance in general, and then the overall cringe worthiness of the movie. Right. Moving so. on. Uh, also, sorry, just to tap back into that no story beats thing. My full note is there aren't any story beats question mark. We're just doing songs that change the moods and allude to events that haven't happened. Or haven't happened on screen. So, you know, that's whatever. It, it's an irrelevant note because if you don't know the content or message of the songs, then you, you're you just fucked. She has this, she has this vision. And it's a cool vision while she's singing a song. Oh my god, we're only right there? Herself uh, selling dresses in this marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. And it's cool, you know, that's a great dream to have, to own your own business. That's awesome. Um, 
crying due to the hallucination of a future in capitalism is peak acid energy. Like, how fucking wild is it in this movie where everything is super anti-authority to have the main character's dream be to own a small business and work? A movie that is so anti the man that it tries so hard to be capitalist is hilarious to me. Um, I don't remember why I said the aid to the prince is hilarious, but the the it's his best it's friend. The, yeah, the prince's best friend is just hysterical, and uh, that's that. I mean, if you the movie is. All things said and done, entertaining enough to warrant a watch. It's a it's a very entertaining movie. You got to sit down and accept though that you're gonna watch some really cringy shit. Um, I think what's also really cool, and this is where I'm gonna throw in the LGBTQ piece because I didn't know this the first few times I watched it, till I watched it um, later on with someone, was that uh the uh the person who plays the prince's best friend prince's best friend is trans which is really cool um and really awesome of an inclusion to include in this and if you got talent you got talent i think i think that's the best i think that's why i like this iteration of cinderella so much and because i disagree with a lot of the reiterations of cinderella i really hated that one with lily james even though i love her to death um i think that this one in particular did a really good job of just if you were good, you got cast. And it didn't matter gender, race, race, whatever. If you were it, good. If you were good for the part, you got cast in it. And that's how it should be. That's a good casting aid director. That's just how it should be. Now, speaking of if you're good, you get the part. They probably should have looked for a couple of people who are more recognizable for a couple of the bit roles. Such as the town crier, who is simply discount... Chris Jackson. I liked the town crier. The town crier performed admirably. He did good. But I wish I knew who he was. I don't know who he, he is. He rapped very well, but I wish... He was funny. I wish it was a rapper that I knew. His physical comedy was great. His facials were great. Like, as an actor, I think he did a good job. I would bet you that they, they may have tried to find a rapper to do it. And they couldn't find a rapper who could do the Broadway shit. They wanted the they wanted David Diggs, but they couldn't afford him because they, they spent all their... They could not afford David Diggs. They spent all their budget ah, on... Ah, he would have been so good. They or spent, Chris Jackson. They spent all their budget on other things. Or like most of the Hamilton cast could have done it with literally, literally any no one effort. of them. Um, let's see. You, you'll find him in there somewhere. I just want to know what else uh, he's done. Oh, yeah. I got... Narcissa. I was right. Her name is Narcissa. Nice. No, it's Narissa. Sorry, Narissa. I can't read. That's okay. I wanted to say Narcissa, but I was like, that's, Narcissa that's Draco's, Draco's mom. mom. <laughs> I was like, that's not the right answer. Um, I'm, I'm going to try and move along a little bit here. Oh, Romesh. His name is O. Romesh? No, his name is Romesh, uh, is the guy that the you comedian. can know. Yeah. Ben Bailey Smith. Is the town crier. Was he in Hamilton? On the... it, would, it would make me laugh. The fuck is Regardless. that? Regardless. Um... Stuff happens that isn't relevant and doesn't matter. Uh, and then you get to a point where uh, the stepmother is describing how women have worth in this society. And I believe the line is something akin to, you are only worth as much as you smile. Oh. Or something along that lines. And I was like... A girl is always prettier when she smiles. That's not the line. No, a girl's always worth more when she smiles. That's, that's the line. Dying. I was like, surprise, capitalism is blasphemy and girls are wor girls have worth based on smiling. What a fucking stance to take. Overall, uh, the town crier hasn't done much. Well, he's, he's one, talented, so maybe he's he'll He's one go of the somewhere. few unknowns in this movie. Um, and, yeah. and then they dragged Pierce Brod... They dra and I, under I understand why you would want Pierce Brosnan to play the king. He's got a great voice. He's got a great look. He's very he's, kingly. He's the oh, he's one of the great James Bonds. 
and to cast him alongside his James Bond co-star, Mini Driver, that is just chef's kiss casting. But goddammit, you made him an asshole. We couldn't have a cool king. We had to have a dick. He's just an asshole for like 87% of the movie. And it sucks. I, like... Maybe it's just me, but I want to see actors that I like a lot be good guys. It's boring to me to see actors that I like a lot not be good guys. Or even if they're not antagonists, like, I don't want to see them be this ignorant version of a shitty take on society. Like, man, that sucks so much. Uh, every every ounce of dialogue in the movie was just so awful. There were some good lines we said. One-liners. It's only one-liners. It's not conversation pieces. Your movie is built on character growth and conversation pieces. And if you can't write a goddamn conversation that sounds natural or is funny or is clever or is fast, then it's just awful to witness. I don't want to see a world that reflects exactly my own. If I wanted that, I'd go outside. If I wanted to watch Cinderella, I'd go outside. That's where people act like this. Dude, my life would be so much better if we just burst out into early 2000s pop songs every 10 minutes. I Honestly, that might be a, like a secondary living hell for me. Uh, because I don't know any of the words and I'll be very upset. I could vibe with that world so hard. Now, there is, like, here's, now, here's an example of a throwaway line that's hilarious. The king talks about how he's got these, this town group of actors that are doing a mockery play about the king's idiot son, is what it's called. He says he's got them locked up in the dungeon. And his son goes, you can't leave actors alone without attention, they'll die. Which is hilarious! That's a great line! And Why true. can't all of the lines be like that? Very true. Don't leave me alone without attention. I will die. She gets very upset. I don't. She gets very upset. Quarantine was rough the three times I did it. And then we had a choir. There was a choir. Okay. Here's where America gets to step in and rant about the movie for a second. If you'd Take like a to. Take breather. If you'd like to go blow your nose. Go blow my nose. <laughs> now is the time. Okay. I have a theory about this choir, and here's my theory. They really wanted to include the song because every good fucking musical, well, good, quote-unquote, and musical, quote-unquote, um, has to include the fucking song Somebody to Love by Queen. And so my theory is they were like, we really want to include that song in this movie. And everyone's like, okay, but, like, n no one has the vocal chops to do that song and like it wouldn't make sense for the people that do have the vocal chops in this movie to be in that song so instead they just got a whole gospel choir and i think that's the only reason the gospel choir is in the movie is because they were like we really want to do this song and they're like okay well we have to make that happen so how does this happen so the king just has a gospel choir that stands in his atrium and sings for no fucking reason. They do have like a funny bit and a funny like back and forth with the king and the, um, the prince whose name it's, I cannot remember. It's not that Robert, funny. Prince Robert. Um, it's not that funny though. It, I know, but they tried. Uh, so they have this little moment and they try to like include them a lot, but they literally, I feel like, they were like, we want to include this song. How can we do that? And they were like, we'll just get a gospel choir. The king can have a gospel choir, right? That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then it went in the movie. Eh. You know, I chat's suggesting that people need to stop using Queen in movies because it seems disrespectful to the band. And I do know for a fact uh, that a majority of the time, especially with older bands who still have people who are alive, you have to get permission directly from them to use their music. I mean, they had to for rock band. I'm assuming they have to for movies. You have to get the rights. If you can't get the rights, you can't use the music. So the odds are one or more of the members of Queen signed off on that. 
Um, if if not, yeah, if but, they didn't sign off on it, then their record label did. Yeah, but they also signed off to put it in Happy Feet, so, eh. Hey, uh, it, dude, if you're queen, and when Happy Feet came out, you have no money. Touche. They have a lot more money now because uh, that movie came out. Um, but bad use of Queen song, Cinderella. Good use of Queen song, Umbrella Academy. I think it can go either way. I think you just need to pick and choose. And I'm really tired of, I will say this in, um. Use Queen, but they have like four albums worth of songs. They just have other songs. One. Pick a different Queen song. And I think, and they're, I will... They're an excellent band. Just use a different song. And I will say this. As far as using Queen songs in media, like in other media that's not music, um, no one will have, no one will have and will ever do it as good as Knight's Tale did it. Because Knight's Tale fucking crushed that shit, and I think they were one of the first. I've never seen that movie. <gasps> now. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. I am shaking off a movie. I don't I, know I which want one. to pitch you on an idea for this movie something that would have blown my socks off in particular give me that camilla cabello dream sequence but instead of whatever that fucking song was give me her an arrangement for her of dream on by aerosmith dream on. that would have been fucking crazy good i love dream on by aerosmith to respond to chat they did do, do bohemian rhapsody in a movie recently and it was called suicide squad okay bye nobody fucking liked that one unfortunately i really liked that movie um i liked suicide squad too for what it was and i liked panic at the disco's rendition they have zipper technology in this universe they do mention zippers more than once i don't understand the rules there are no rules. Anarchy reigns, I guess. Uh, the rules are, this is the, a Cinderella movie, shut the fuck up. What was the song they did for the Changing of the Guard? Now, I have a question about the Some Changing of the Guard. Somebody to love, fine. Right, it was, Me. It was just, Somebody. It was just the Queen song. Do. <laughs> why, uh, why did the whole town turn up to watch the Changing of the Guard? Uh, that is common. That everyone just shows up to watch the guards take their day off? It's not... That's not what the Changing of the Guard is. Well, fucking, I don't know what that is. Uh, the Changing of the Guard is the older guards that have been in business for a while uh-huh. step down. Oh, it's a retirement ceremony. And new guards take their place. This is actually a very common thing that happens in monarchies where you watch uh, basically like the guards that have been training to be guards become the guards and the old guards step down and everyone like thanks them for their service and this is how you do that is you... Thank them for their service by coming to the changing of the guard. Okay, now. It's not just a shift change. That, well, now, the only context I have for changing of the guard is changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in D.C., in which the one Marine who walks in front of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier stops after 12 hours, and another one takes his place. That is called the changing of the guard, and that's the changing of the guard in the United States. Now, with that knowledge, what the fuck is she thinking climbing on the statue in the middle of this ordeal she wanted to see i don't give a shit it's the statue of the king who is alive it's and his, present it's his dad no it's him no it's his dad no it's him it's his dad he it's says him. get off my dad why does it look like him i mean because Generally, fathers and sons look the same. You fucking wouldn't believe that look at my dad. Uh, no, you look like your mom. Sorry, baby. Uh, yeah, well, you know what happens. I look like my dad. Uh, still, what? That's why, like, it, it's, it's as though half the time the character of Cinderella understands the rules of this weird society that she lives in, and the other half the time she simply doesn't. Or simply doesn't care for any of the rules of the society, which is fair. But the, it's like they, they'd never pick one. They never pick a, a lane to stay in, which is the problem with the whole movie. From the front to the back, they never pick a lane. They just weave all through traffic, slamming into shit recklessly they with sweep. bad dialogue. They sweave in and out of traffic. Swear to God, they're sweeving. 
three lanes across and three lanes back like they're missing their exit. It's fucking crazy. It's anarchy the whole time. There's not a single plain storyline that they do for the whole thing. They do like a quarter of four different storylines. I feel like you're going to give yourself a nosebleed. Well, that'd be better than having snot. Um, that would be your next line after that. Or your next note. Uh, why does everybody hate Gwen? Because Gwen represents change. Gwen, in case you didn't know, is Prince Robert's little, little sister. She is the best part of this entire fucking movie, and I will hear no arguments otherwise. James A. Caster's in it. Also, the stepsisters are great. She's one of the best parts of this fucking movie. That I'll take. She uh, plays the role of the kid who honestly should just be next in line for the throne. Uh, she has ideas and ways that she wants to change stuff and has questions about why we're spending so much on catapults. We already have a gajillion catapults and they work just fine. Why do we need more? It seems like a waste. And it, like, it, she, everyone just gives her unnecessary amounts of hatred. Like, shut up, Gwen! Or, like, stop talking. And, you know, it's probably some sort of discourse about how no one values women in this society. But also, the queen also says, shut up, Gwen. I mean, she does pick bad moments. Like, she's always, like, is like in the middle of an argument, she'll just be like, is this, is this a good a time, time to, or is this a bad time to talk about how we could change the poverty levels in the kingdom? <laughs> <laughs> it's like right idea wrong time uh, a non-stop with this character um then then there, like the, this this concept of the king dude this the king he has a line in the movie where he goes i don't make up the rules i'm just a king which is like some of the peak dumb shit i've ever heard especially in a movie where the king spends the whole fucking time trying to enforce a rule that he declares because he felt like it in like it doesn't even it doesn't make any goddamn sense how do you have that line so poignantly presented in an argument between the king and the prince and then you just follow it up by the king trying to enforce his own rules the whole fucking time it, like you gotta pick something, you gotta pick something to do in your movie, and just do the thing, do the thing until you become so good at doing it that you can do it without thinking about it, and then you can add more shit on top of it. God. Finally, a point we'll make before we work the second act, basically. Uh, is, God, where is it? I lost my notes. The prince has, uh, decides, uh, he, he isn't super into, uh, he isn't super into the, uh, idea of an arranged marriage or marrying someone just to benefit the kingdom, which, you know, that's fine. That's a horrific, outdated sort of style of existence, and there's no point in doing that now anyways, so... He, he, he just decides that he doesn't want to fucking bother with that. And so he, he's going to go out and he's going to find himself a little hottie in the kingdom. He dresses up like some sort of pirate. He dresses up like a pirate. And he goes out and he's walking, wandering around. He runs into Camilla Cabello. But before that, uh, he's talking with his best friend. And the he goes over the plan. The plan is to go out there, find... A crazy hot girl reveal that he is made of money and royalty uh but if she seems crazy we abort mission immediately revealing that he is in fact just a uh flimsy cardboard version of a person without morals or ethics uh so you know it, it, we just it, the, the movie really sets out to make every character unlikable as much as possible and that, that's, I'll take it, because in a movie that's so pushy about equality, they really do make every character unlikable, regardless of gender or race. Everyone's awful, and that's all there is to it, really. Sorry, I was fixing something that was brought to my attention. I'm sorry, I've been oh, damn. for a minute. Alright, well, glad you fixed it. Apparently Instagram deleted all of our bio and 
well, website that's just link fucking rude of them. for no reason. That's so rude. I had to go fix that really quickly. Now, I actually, I have even more time in this episode. Uh, they dragged Idina Menzel down to the level of singing Material Girl. And it is a non-stop cringe fest the whole time. Now. Idina Menzel, a legendary vocalist. She is phenomenal. She's been Elphaba on Broadway. She's been in Rent the Movie and Rent the Musical. Like, she was the original um, Maureen she for Rent. so She's talented. Elsa, she is fucking talented. Like, she is ridiculous. Ridiculously talented. Her oh, vocal range is insane. A bottomless well of talent. She's a great actress. Oh, I know you know what we're gonna do. You know what we're gonna do? Well, let's have her sing Material Girl. That'll be great. That'll be hilarious. It'd be, be really funny if we ever sing Material Girl. It'd be great. I'll bet you, if you wanted to punctuate the idea that she had given up as a as a woman in this, as a woman in this universe, she had given up any hope of uh, any sort of freedom or anything, which she has, which she has, and is evidenced later in the movie. If you want to like sort of drive that point home, instead of just make her an asshole first, uh, literally pick any other song. Material Girl, not doing it for me. Cause we are living in a material. That it just is not. It does not fucking do it for me. That it feels so wasteful to have someone as talented as Andina Menzel perform that mediocre of a song. It's a bop, but you don't have to. You don't have to perform it. You could any any yokel can sing it. Anyone can sing it. It's not a hard song to sing. There's not wild vocal runs. There's not improvisations in it. It's not in a weird key. There's like six notes. It's very easy. I I just it it's, it just felt like such a waste. I was so sad, and I had to watch. They did every verse. They did the whole song. Yeah, the whole song, and it was just awful. Now there it. is some comedic physical comedy laughs in that song. At least I thought so. Um. But, yeah, the song overall, for every actress in that song, actually, even the stepsisters have a good vocal range, was just kind of, like, a waste. You, it's, there are other songs that exist that you could sing to put forth the points you're trying to put forth, assuming I even understand what those points are. I'm not sure you understood this movie. Uh, probably not, but that would explain my hatred for it. Uh, it, man, it's just such a waste. It's such a waste to get someone so good just phone it in. Maybe that's why she demanded one of her songs get put into. Well, did she? I don't know if she demanded it, but one of her songs is in there, you said. Well, it's in original. I think they... So either she wrote it for this movie or someone wrote it for her for the movie. I have to go figure out what the song's called and then I will look that up before we wrap up this episode. So keep going till I get there. Well, I had a, after we get the Material Girls song where they, the stepmother details to the stepdaughters about how they have to think materialistically or they'll never get anywhere in life. Um, we cut back to the town to have exposition delivered to us by the town crier, and it was exciting because that's one of the better times of the uh, one of the better times of the movie um, is when we get to hear the town crier do his little rap shit. And uh, you know, I I wish it had been someone I knew, but he he did well. He performed well. Um. Yeah. The uh, I I also made a I made a declaration pretty early in the movie. Uh, where I said, if the movie wants to play the feminism slash equality storyline that they're setting up for out to the end, like if they want to run with this all the way to the end, then there is no world in which Cinderella gets with the prince and she should defy expectations, open the dress shop, and have a loyal customer base. All on her own. She should do all the work on her own. That would 
be a super satisfactory run of that story formula for me. I would love that shit. That would be awesome. To wrap up this part one, um, the song was written by, it's credited to both like the movie and Indina Menzel, so she had a hand in writing it. Well. But it is one of the original songs. You can tell you can tell that she liked that song. Like if you go and you watch the movie, you'll see her sing her Dream Girl song at some point. And you can there's a noticeable difference between when she performs the song that she had a hand in writing and when she performs covers of all these other songs. Like she gets into it on her song. She actually acts. She becomes the Broadway legend that we know. Not saying she doesn't act for the rest of the movie, but like it's like It's like another level. It's like going Super Saiyan. Yeah. Like, it, you, she's badass through the whole thing, but then she hits that next level when she does her own song. Yeah. And that is dope. Cut, print, check the gate, moving on. Alrighty. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Uh, we These ones, I know we've been giving you uh, double episodes for Deathly Hollows Part 1 and Part 2, um, but these will be going back to our normal by or our normal weekly releases so we will see you in podcast land in a week thanks for tuning in